Hello and welcome to the Peace and Love Amplifiers podcast. I'm so happy you're here. In these episodes, we will dive deep into the idea of peace. What is it? Is it even attainable? Everyone wants it. So how can we make it manifest? Along with my own experiences, you will also hear uplifting stories from inspirational people who are building peace in their own lives and the world around them. We are on the threshold of a new society, looking at where science meets spirituality. And these stories are a call to action to help overcome division and build a better society for all concerned. Join me on this thought-provoking journey to explore ways we can all amplify peace and love. Hello, and welcome back to another episode. And today I have a guest on who we were taking some classes together and we just kind of hit it off. We were put into a group, a small group, and we just, you know, kind of talked a lot about inner peace. And so we're fast friends and I was waiting for her to be able to come on to the podcast. And so I'm really happy to have Diana Curtis on the episode today. And she is a sought after grief recovery specialist and the owner of Coaching to the Heart. She studied personal growth and self-development and Inner Visions Institute for Spiritual Development. Her focus is to empower women to heal from grief after losing a loved one and to help her clients find a path to inner peace and fulfillment. She created the Transcend Grief Now Method to teach as many people as possible how to grieve with grace and self-compassion, which is so important. Diana, thank you for being here. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. I'm happy to be here too. Yeah. I, I, you know, like the whole inner peace through grief concept is, is so important right now, especially now with what we're all going through. A lot of people have lost loved ones. A lot of people have lost the ability to connect with their loved ones, you know, whether it's a parent or child or siblings. And so other than that, I, I really want to know, and if you could tell our, our listeners, like what got you into doing this work? Like what's your, what's your story? Yeah, my story, my story started so early in life. Of course, I've had a lot of losses, but the one that crippled me the most was losing my mother. I say at the tender age of three, I was totally, totally clueless. No one talked about death back in those days. Yeah, I'm I'm dating myself. It's been a long, long time. (laughs) Uh, So that, yes, that was the major loss in my life. And I spent years, I spent decades not realizing that it's important to grieve a loss, especially a significant loss like that. So once I retired from the CEC, I decided to do some healing and realized that I had not grieved my mother. And once I went through that process of releasing the pain, and as you can imagine, losing a mother, it planted seeds in abandonment, isolation, betrayal, mistrust, just just name it, (laughs) name it, right? Yeah. It's my role model. Laugh. And 
I also spent years of my life, and I still struggle with this a little bit. I associate love with abandonment. Wow. Yeah, and I didn't realize that until I went through that healing process. So why did I start working in this field of grief? Because I promised myself, once I was on the other side of grief, that doesn't imply that you get over grief, but I'm all better now, that I would reach back and support others who may be going through something similar, a major loss. And a lot of times we're totally unconscious of the fact that we're grieving. We call it something else. We might call it depression. We call it all kinds of things, which in fact, a lot of time is unresolved grief. So here I am. That's how I got in to this field of grief. I know grief from a personal level. I've studied grief. I've researched grief. So grief, grief, grief. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful story because to lose your mother at the age of three, that's, that's just heartbreaking because I mean, I know, I mean, I still have my mom and I'm going to date myself, but I'm almost 50. And it's like, what do I do without my mom? And, and a lot of the listeners know, I just lost my mother-in-law. So, you know, my husband is going through that as well. And, you know, to, to have that, it almost doesn't matter when you lose a loved one. It's always, there's always some kind of, the grief is different. It just, it shows up, it's there and it presents itself. And, and you really, I think need to be aware of how it's affecting you. And, and that self-compassion that, you know, is so, so important, you know, that we need to take the time to, to grieve. Yeah, absolutely. We do. And I would like to also mention that once I went through that healing process, what happened is again, back then I was very, we put labels on ourselves, right? So I'll say introvert. I was an introvert, very quiet, no voice. But what happened now, as you can see, my heart opened up, my voice started to open up. And I real I now use this voice to help others heal. Mm. So it's so important to go through that grief process. Yeah. So yeah. Important. Yeah. And so when you, you brought up unresolved grief. And, you know, that it shows up as depression or it could show up as other things. Like what, how would somebody recognize that, hey, you know, maybe I'm not so much angry. I'm just, I I haven't grieved something. Like, how does that show up on an individual? Well, I think I can answer that question by, first of all, sharing what grief is. Okay. Grief is an emotion, just like not a good comparison, but it's an emotion just like love. Mm-hmm. It hurts. It hurts. It's an emotion like anger, loneliness, you know, all of those fear. Those are all emotions. Yeah. So when we have when we love someone, we'll just talk about death in this case, but there are all kinds of losses, and we can talk about other types of losses. But in the case of death we love someone, we lose that person, we were attached to that person, right? That time spent with them, the physical body, the whole works. So when we lose that person, we grieve it because it's like a loss of hopes, our dreams, our expectations. We feel like all of that just left with the loss of the individual. Mm. So it's wanting something to be different from what it is, 
It's a loss of dreams and hopes and expectations. Grief is normal. It's mm. expected. It's necessary. We have, for some reason, I don't, I'll just say the United States, our country, because I know a lot of other countries do it differently. There's a stigma on grief. You, lo- you lose a loved one, you get three days off from a job and, oh, time to come back. Yeah. That's not normal. No. <laughs> that's no. not normal. So, yeah, that's what grief is. And it could be overwhelmed. We tend to isolate, remove ourselves from others, just totally disconnect. Mm. life for myself yeah yeah Yeah. and then and then to not even realize you know I think in this country between caregiving and grieving and you know whether it's having a new baby or taking care of a a sick parent or a sick you know family member we we were kind of behind the 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 ball in in the the way that we care for the caregivers. You know, I I was fortunate enough to to work in a in a field that the hospice field were natural caregivers. We we take care of each other through this process because you know a lot of us not only just our family members go through this, but we're we get connected with our patients and we help them pass and you know we help the family move through that transition. So it's a beautiful service that hospice provides, but not everybody gets that. Not everybody is able to receive that. And, you know, so I think that as more and more women, I think get into leadership roles, we'll see that change. I really do. I really believe that because until now it's been seen as something that women do and, you know, men can go out and do work, whatever, whatever. But as more and more women get into the CEO level and, you know, in higher office in, within the government, whether it's state or federal, I think we'll really see that change, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love how you said you describe the hospice process as a beautiful process. Mm Mm-hmm. Not the loss of a life, but the dignity that happens as that person's physical body ends. Right. Yeah, I love how you say that. I, I, I love that. I love that. I caught that. And you talking about caregivers, it's so important for caregivers to have their own support system grieving the loss of their normalcy. They're having to take care of a loved one, as well as grieving just the norm. Things will be different. Things are so, so different. So, and I know quite a few caregivers 100% focus on the person who's sick. Yeah. And not themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I always tell people, even the, the caregiver, I was just on the phone with one of the caregivers, she's caring for her mother. And I said, you, you got to fill your cup. You cannot give from an empty cup. And that's been my motto for many, many years is fill your own cup first and allow, and allow other people to drink from the overflow. Right. And it's hard. It's hard work. 
you know, to kind of make that differentiation of like, oh no, I need to take care of myself first. And that's, you know, and that grief, dealing with the grief can show up in that way too, you know, is, is people that have, and if they're caring for a, a, their father say, and they have unresolved grief from taking care of their mother or losing their mother, you know? So I don't, you know, all of that kind of shows up and we need to be okay with that. You know, and if you are taking care of a loved one who abandoned you, who you didn't get along with, and there's that, that huge level of resentment. So there's so many unique cases of around grief. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, as far as like individuals going through this past year, you know, of there's so much loss in the world, not only just in this country, but what are some other kinds of grief that can show up in kinds of grief? Wow. There are absolutely so many. The three main categories that come to mind right now is adverse childhood experiences. Mm -hmm. What about those things that happen as a child that we never healed or grieved, i.e. losing a mother? What about individuals who a parent was incarcerated? A child was abused. A child was neglected. All of those are considered adverse childhood experiences. And I love doing that work because a lot of us don't associate how we show up in the world now as an adult Mm. and how that relates back to those things that happened to us as a child. Yeah. So that's a beautiful body of work. I did it when I was at the Centers for Disease Control. And of course, it's integrated in my programs now. Mm -hmm. Other type of grief events, big ones, and you and I talked about it a little bit, Mm -hmm. that America. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. We won't stay on this very long, but America (laughs) is sick. (laughs) Yeah. And this was a great conversation when we first had it, you know, of what's going on in this country of unresolved grief and unresolved, so much unresolved, you know, yeah, between slavery and Jim Crow and, and so much that we have been pushed under the rug for centuries and I think what we were saying is, you know, that we've come to this crossroads now of we yeah. can't put these things back under the rug anymore. Right. You know, how can we resolve the fear and the the grief that has been pushed down for, for so long? And it's showing up yeah. in in our society. On the individual layer level, that's like transmuting into the societal level, you know. And I think that this—that's where a lot of work has to be done. Yeah, how I agree. We are at a crossroad, and America gets to choose Mm. what it's going to do. We've heard all of the stories, but the bottom line is, I think, is America's sick. 
and until America is willing to really confront that there is a sickness, mm-hmm. our hearts and minds are diseased. Until we confront that there is a, sick, a sickness, it continues. It's yeah. just a vicious, vicious cycle. But yeah. like you said, we can't duct tape, we can't super glue it together anymore. No, no, we can't. We can't. Yeah, we can't cover it over. It's there's uh-huh. this festering wound, and we need to rip off the bandage and clear it out, bring it to the light of day, and you know, no more hiding it in the corner or under the rug or you know, whatever thing you want to say about it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of the questions you had mentioned to me earlier was what would a perfect world look like for me? I believe that was one of your questions and it really, it stopped me in my tracks. And I thought to myself, well, it's too late for us to have a perfect world. (laughs) (laughs) Because I feel like America has been on the wrong side of Mm. slavery. And when you dehumanize other people, treat them unfairly, like they're not a human, there's a lot of work to be done. So for me, if you, if I had to answer that question, I would just say a perfect world would be each of us taking 100% responsibility for Mm -hmm. our lives, for our stuff. Stop the shifting, the shaming, and the blaming, the haves and the have-nots, the better than, the less than. Mm -hmm. Heal your stuff, because we all have something. Just heal your stuff and then make the actions that we take when a 9-11 or COVID happens, how we come together Mm -hmm. without any regards for the color of my skin, Mm -hmm. how much money I have, male or female, we join hands. And the one thing that comes together is 9-11. Yeah, we could make that set the intention to treat each other like that all the time, as best that we can, because we're all healing. That to me would be a perfect world. Mm. We're just healing one breath at a time. Yeah, one heartbreak at a time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, it's kind of like getting up out of the ego right? Out of the separation, out of the, I'm right, you're wrong. You know, the, my flag's better than your flag. My, this is better than your, your, that. And it really kind of elevates all of us to live with heart centeredness, you know, and, and wholeheartedness and, you know, where separation isn't, I mean, I know this is a lofty goal, but I really think that whenever somebody says, remember 9-11, I remember those few days after 9-11 where we were all joined across around the world. It seemed like there was this just this coming togetherness that was like, we can do this without having, having to have this huge, horrible event happen, you know? to bring us there. I mean, we can make that choice. Like you said, it's, it's up to each and every one of us to make that choice 
Do I want to live in love or do I want to live in fear? You know, and I think a lot of people right now, especially people that, you know, storm the Capitol, they're living in fear. They're fearful that something is going to be taken away from them if people that don't look like them have more power, have, have more access to income and equality and all of that. I mean, it's, yeah. I think if we don't understand that there's this fear that's underlying all of this, and it could be unresolved grief, it could be, you know, you name it, you know, each person's different, but I really believe that there's this, that's what's causing a lot of this division is just fear. Yeah. And knowing that we, as a country, the entire world, don't necessarily, don't have to carry the same beliefs that our great, great, greats carry. Mm. So that intergenerational hatred, supremacy, poverty, slavery, taking 100% responsibility for my own stuff, one breath at a time. If each of us did that, just imagine what the world would look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the, the mottos of this podcast is self-love begets inner peace. Inner peace begets world peace. Therefore, self-love begets world peace. Yeah. So if we all not only take responsibility, like you're saying, and we also love ourselves to, right. and that's so, like you said, that self-compassion of, it's really about not being egotistic in our self-care, but in, in like, as, you know, as caregivers, if we're giving from an empty space mm-hmm. internally, then we show up differently. In heart math, we, we call that overcare. When we, mm-hmm. we get into where we're caring and we're caring and we're caring and we get so drained that we get resentful and we get sick. So we have to be mindful of ourselves when we do this work that we're not only taking care of ourselves, but we're taking care of each other with grace, with love, with dignity. Because, you know, like, would you want somebody to take care of you or somebody to like the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have done under unto you. And that goes for everything, you know, that goes for like holding the door to the, you know, the person coming in behind you in the store or whatever it is. It's like, just be kind (laughs) to each other. You know, it's really easy. It's really easy. We have to get together. And there was a story once, and it's just kind of coming to me. I haven't thought about this in a while, but it was, it was like a story of a father and a son or a father and a child doesn't matter. But the son goes to the father and says, daddy, I'm, I'm hungry. Can you feed me? And the father says, sure, absolutely. I'll feed you. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the cousin comes and says, you know, uncle, I'm hungry. Can you feed me? And so the same man says, absolutely. I'll feed you. And then the little boy says, daddy, my friend 
down the street is hungry. Can you feed him too? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I can feed him. And then it's like, then it's the boy from the different school or the boy from, you know, the other side of the tracks. It's like, where does it, does it have to end? Does our care have to stop? Right. As we go out into the world, we can see each other as the same and equal. And yeah. Yeah. You know, as you were talking, it made me remember and realize I so love this for myself, but no matter what I'm feeling about another, I feel it first. Mm. If I'm loving you, I feel so much love inside. Mm -hmm. I hate you, I feel it first. Absolutely. So the self-compassion, the forgiveness is always for me. Yeah. It's always for me. When we're giving to others, the reward is coming from inside of us. We feel that, right? Yeah. When there's violence toward others, well, you're feeling that first before the other person gets it. So we're always up first. Yeah. That's, that's so, that's so true. Yeah. That's so true. Wow. Yeah. So we have a lot of work to do, right? I mean, do. Yeah. And, and I want to share that. I think it, that third piece of yeah. grief, we talked about ACEs. We talked about America's sec. Another part of that to me is domestic violence mm. towards women. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. And I'm hearing so much these days about women being locked down in their homes with their abusers because of COVID and what that does to a woman, you know, the loss of her values that could potentially lead to hopelessness, uh, her spiritual identity, her connection to the world. And I know one of our leaders, her goal is to help women feel seen, heard and cared for. Mm. that all just dissipates when we've lost control of our bodies, our freedom, our connection to the world. And that level of grief can be excruciating. And you feel like no one cares, no one understands, no one gets you. You're disconnected from yourself. and You lose sight of your vision and even your purpose in life. Because then a lot of times you're trying to protect those kids. Yeah. Yeah. So you're okay being the target because I want my kids to be good. Yeah. Grief. Lots of unresolved grief. Lots of women that are walking around with all that pain inside of them. What are some things that Diana does to take care of herself in all of this? Yeah. I am fortunate to be able to stay in quarantine. I'll put it that way. (laughs) I do get out, I get sunlight and, you know, the vitamin D and I experience nature, I walk. But I have, it's a ritual for me. I put first things first. I feed my spirit. I nurture my spirit. I feed and nurture my mind. Mm. And when those two are in balance together, they're working together, Everything else just falls in place. Mm -hmm. And what that looked like for me, I just love meditating. 
I love meditation. I love stillness. I love quietness. The backside of this room is my prayer room. And that's just what I do. And I've done it for so long. At uh, the beginning of the talk, you mentioned InnoVision, InnoVision Institute for Spiritual and Personal Development. Mm-hmm. Tons and tons of tools. And initially, I called them my grief medicine bag. But I got tons of tools that help me stay aligned with that energy, that flow. That's so much smarter and greater, bigger and bolder than I am. Yeah. So I get to just submit to that and show up. Mm-hmm. Diana. So nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And not everyone will be able to do that. And what I say to that is if you have to go to work, you have a nine to five, still take a few moments just to breathe, just to get back in touch with your body, to get inside of your body, take the walk, stare out the window, whatever it takes for you. But just disconnect from the world because it's so, so busy. Mm -hmm. I am so fortunate with the life that I live today. I'm glad. I'm glad that... Yeah. 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 The smile on your face is, is beautiful. And I think that that's so true because even if we had working nonstop, whether it's caregiving at home and then working and, you know, it's finding those moments and, and knowing that you're connecting, if you do it with intention, that intentionality is really the key to saying, okay, this is the five minutes that I'm going to give to myself yeah. and it's going to be, you know, times 10 times a hundred times a thousand, you know, what I need and just being mindful, even when you're doing a lot of things, like one of my mantras is being while doing, you know, while I'm doing something, mm-hmm. can I be present in mm-hmm. this moment? Can mm-hmm. I be present in my busyness? It, it kind of just creates a little bit of space around whatever it is that you're doing. It just kind of gives you that, that space of, of being able to take a breath. Yeah. You, know? you mentioned in that, as you were talking, I was thinking about doing my process, how it should have been such a no brainer. And I guess unconsciously, I was aware that the breath is life. Mm. But I never really thought about it that way until my spiritual teacher said, the breath is life. It's life. Yeah. Yeah. So take a moment. And and breathe. Breathe as much as you can (laughs) while you're living. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Breathe with intention. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So tell me about the course that you developed. Because I know you're you're doing your master class, you're lining it up now as we're recording, but it's going to be kind of going while when this gets released. But tell me about your class. I want to. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned the master class. Yeah, I'm working on it's a three part master class, and it's release the grip of grief, and I'm teaching the participants how to. I'm going to give them three secrets on how to keep their heart calm no matter the circumstances in front of you. 
in that moment, in that present moment, as you said, how do I stay present to this right near moment when I'm losing myself? I'm in the middle of, I'm in the grocery store in the middle of the aisle, and I see this favorite item that my husband, who's no longer with me, loved, and I'm losing it. I'm losing it. So yeah, gonna give some secrets on how to deal with grief in the moment. That's the masterclass. And of course, you know, the opportunity will be for replays. They can always reach out to me and get the replay later. So my course, my course is, you mentioned and introduced it at the beginning of the show. It's called Transcend Grief Now Method. And it has seven modules. And it starts with vision. Vision is huge. Vision is huge. Hmm. In the process, we basically go through a process of you looking at you. You doing an assessment of you. Hmm. Where are you in the grieving process with the loss? Whether it's finances, a loved one, your pet, whatever you lost. Where, what are you doing? How are you showing up? Are you crying uncontrollably? Are you pushing down and swallowing the pain? Where are you in right now in your process? And then where would you like to go? And I support you in creating a life vision plan with steps that will, with setting intentions, you love intentionality. Mm -hmm. So setting intentions and we're looking at those four primary areas of who we are as individuals. We're spiritual beings. We're mental beings. Mm. You know, that mind, the mindset, mm-hmm. the emotional being. And of course, the physical being, we, that's what we're used to seeing, the body. We see each other all the time. And that's basically how we relate to each other. But people are kind of, some people are unaware of how those other three pillars are always operating spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. Mm -hmm. So we get to set a vision for all of that. And of course, we have a plan to to heal. The Transcend Grief Now Method is holistic. It's based on science. It's based on spirituality and practicality. So the exercises, the grief healing solution tools, they are, I think they're phenomena. (laughs) I think they're phenomena. And I'm sure they are. Yes, yes. So that spiritual piece of it, you know, some people relate to something outside of us. You know, some of us call it God, some Holy Spirit, some Jesus, but it's just really being in alignment with that force, that energy that, as I said earlier, that I connect with every day to help me create this life that I'm loving so much. And then, of course, the mental piece, you know, we go through that mental health checkup. We clean up the mind and all the chaos, the thoughts that are, that don't love us, don't love us back. They're hurting us. Wow, 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 wow. Say that again. Because okay. I've never heard it say it's said that way. And it, okay, say it again. I'm going to write this down. Okay. So we are used to going to the doctor for a physical checkup. Mm-hmm. But this process will take you through a mental health checkup. So we have mm-hmm. to keep the mind clean the same way we keep our, we get up and we brush our teeth and we do, we wash our bodies, but we don't always tune into 
keeping that mind cleared out. Yeah. We treat the mind like it's a storage bin. We treat the body like it's a storage bin. The body is a processing center. Just like we eat food, we let it out. We drink water, we let it out. Where the hurt and the pain and the wounds, we have to do the same. I get excited when I talk about this. <laughs> so the same is true with our mental aspect and our emotional aspect. So yeah, that mental health checkup. I don't remember exactly what else I said. Yeah, but you it's said about like, some of these thoughts don't love us back. Oh, yes. yes. We help you clean up and clear out and purge and release those old stories, those hurts, those wounds of the past that's mm -hmm. keeping us in pain. It's like self-violation. And we refrain. We come up with new thoughts that love us, mm -hmm. loves us back, not the ones that continue to hurt us. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's the mental piece. And then there's the emotional piece that we already talked about it. Taking 100%, being 100% responsible for how we feel, the things that show up in our life. And when we're grieving, we tend to grab at states of being different emotions. I might feel fear right now. The next moment I'm feeling love. Or the next moment, I'm feeling anxiousness. That's to help us get through the process. Mm. Yeah. So we grab for things. We grab. And my job in this program is to help you move through it with grace and ease. That's my best friend, grace and ease. <laughs> and grace and Annie. I do have an Aunt Grace. So it's like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then, of course, the last a very important pillar is the physica, which we see, again, we see the body, but it's not just recovering back to a healthy body. It's recovering and creating an environment that's free of clutter, that's free of just, your environment is just beautiful, basically. Mm. And the other part of that physica piece is action. Action, taking action and whatever it is, you know, the, the vision, the your vision become clear. And then perhaps you really had not thought about that one thing that you wanted to do as a child, but you were afraid to do. So your purpose become clear. Your passion rises up. And if you're like me, you don't have to be like me. Your purpose end up being something to honor the one that you lost. Mm. What I do now is to honor my mother. And I get to talk about her all the time in conversations with people like you. So yeah. once I began to honor the love that I had from my mother more than I honored the pain, I was able to turn that pain into purpose. Yeah. And i.e., I created my created my own business, coaching your yeah. art. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And it's, it's so true. It's like, what are you feeding? You know, and one of the other things for this podcast is what are you feeding the field? You know, this field of interconnectedness between all beings. If this field exists, what are you feeding it? You know, are you feeding it love? Are you feeding it fear? Are you feeding it gratitude and compassion? Mm -hmm. um, so it can also be internally too. Like, what are you feeding yourself? Are you yeah. feeding yourself 
love? Are you feeding yourself fear? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's huge. Yeah. Oh, Diana, we could go on and on and on and on and on, <laughs> you know? And I think that I, I think it's important that, you know, the work that you're doing is helping to shift people and shift people to find the love behind the grief and, yeah. you know, reconnect with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. What you just said speaks volume. That is the spiritual part of it. You know how we heard when we were little uh, children that God is love. Mm-hmm. That love remains no matter what we go through. Yep. It gets covered up by the wounding and the pains and the hurts, but it's still there. And as we go through and heal and get rid of those layers of pain, then we're able to reach back and access that love that never went anywhere. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I got chills. (laughs) I got chills. Oh, well, Diana, thank you so much. All the links will be in the show notes for anyone who wants to get in touch with Diana and learn about her course and learn more about her and what she can do for you. And I think that you're going to be busy. You're going to be busy. I'm going to be busy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm already busy because again, the world is grieving. The world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you bring your light, you bring your light to people and it just, it just exudes, mm. you know, you can't help but uh, feel it. So I thank you for doing what you're doing for the world, for everyone. And well, I'm definitely going to have to have you come back because yeah, you know, we, we have, have a lot to. to talk about. Yes. Yeah. All right, Diana. Hey, you peace and love amplifier. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at peaceandloveamplifiers.com. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening. And remember to ask yourself, what am I feeding the field? Until next time.